Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. I'm Julie Kroll. Hey, imagine this. Do you ever notice that traditional hierarchical models of doing business aren't really working so much anymore? Would you like a new way of being in the workplace? How about a model that aligns with your greatest strengths and allows you to work more autonomously? Maybe even with self-organizing teams. What do you think would happen if we eliminated the power of a management hierarchy? Our guest today has the answer to that. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle in with your essential self as I welcome our guest. Brian Robertson is an experienced entrepreneur CEO, and organizational pioneer. Forbes and Fast Company credit him for developing Holacracy, a comprehensive management system for governing and running organizations that are fast, agile, and that succeed in pursuing their purpose, free from the tyranny of top-down planning that is instantly out of date. Some of the many champions who have implemented Holacracy include Tony Shea, CEO of Zappos, Ev Williams, co-founder of Twitter, Blogger, and Medium, and David Allen, the best-selling author of Getting Things Done. Brian previously founded a software development firm that won numerous awards for both fast business growth and innovative people practices. He's also the author of the book Holacracy, the new management system for a rapidly changing world. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with Brian today. Welcome, Brian. Uh, Thanks so much for having me, Julie. Oh, yeah. I'm like thrilled because I've been watching Holacracy from a distance and and watching videos, checking you out for for many, many, many months. And now to just sit and talk with you and get to, to really dig into this holacracy thing is is really exciting. But first, I need to ask you our traditional question here, our first question on the Dr. Julie show, and that is, Brian, what does all things connected mean to you? Uh, Well, you know, my my head is so in in organizations that I'm kind of in love with with how we organize and how we work together in organizations. So when I hear that, I I think my brain goes right to... um, the, the, the way we work, right? And 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 um, it's a lot of the the focus of my work is about the connections between us. Uh, how do we uh, how do we integrate? How do we set expectations with each other? Uh, how do we develop norms and evolve them that kind of bind us together into cohesive organizational wholes? So uh, for me, I really think of the the kind of uh, uh, the connections that we often. Uh, I, I think it, it's so easy in our organizations to look at, you know, our own work and what we're doing. And then in our, our personal lives, we look at our friendships, our relationships, our connections. We look at those in our workplace, our friends we work with, but rarely do we look at the, 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 the more subtle ways that, that bind us together, that connect us at work when it comes to the work structure, the expectations, the norms, the cultures. And so, I don't know, my head goes right to that. And when I hear, you know, all things connected and, 
um, kind of I, I think about think about that uh, quite a bit. Mm. Well, you know this. I love this perspective because you know, as you as you know, our show has a lot of industry leaders in in almost every industry, and we talk a lot about connection and and what that really means. And in the workplace, very few times are there experts out there that we've had on the show. You know, we've had a few, but really looking at business structure and organizational models and systems. We're talking about whole systems in so many different ways, but to really apply it to a management system is exciting. So I'm really happy to be here. Before we talk about holacracy as that, and and you explain what that is, I'm curious about your story, Brian. Why are you here? What brought you into this intrigue with business management and systems like this? Yeah, you know, I, I have asked myself that many times, and I've had to just accept that for whatever reason, it's my calling. Um, I can't uh, can't put a finger on when it started. I mean, it, it was I was so young when I, I first really got fascinated with how we organized and worked together. Uh, even as a kid, I'd start little little entrepreneurial ventures uh, with my friends in my neighborhood, and and I was always fascinated about how we worked together. Um, I think it's just been a, a lifelong fascination that that I brought into this world uh, with me when I when I showed up for whatever reason. Who knows? Well, um, I'm glad you did. I, I'm glad you did. I let's let's put this then in the big perspective first, and before we get to the details, because um, oftentimes on our show we talk about how literally institutions are breaking down and and everything yeah. that was created in this hierarchical system of top-down dominance really isn't sustainable any longer. So, so let's put that into that bigger perspective of why holacracy now? Why do we need this and why do we need it? Yeah. yeah so I always, I always like to start with just appreciation for what came before, even as we, we move to obsolete it and look at what's next. So, for me, uh, despite my work being really all about leaving behind the, the kind of top-down management hierarchies we're used to, I don't do that from a sense that they're, you know, they're wrong, they're bad. I do it actually from a sense of, of look at what they've gotten us. Uh, when, when the management hierarchy first came about uh, as kind of the modern norm for organizing mass enterprises, uh, it, it was when the telegraph was first invented, that was kind of the thing that ushered it in. It was communication got cheap and easy at a, a totally new level of scale, like the world got more connected uh, suddenly from this, this huge leap in communication technology. And that enabled larger forms of organization where we could bond together with more people in, in, a, in bigger initiatives uh, and actually treat it as one cohesive connected entity instead of lots of little companies, which is what we had before. So the management hierarchy came about from this huge increase in, in connectedness uh, to organize that, and it actually did a, an incredibly good job. If you looked at the past hundred years, not without its its challenges, but it, it's it's gotten us where we are to a, a globally interconnected world in a totally new way that can tackle massive uh, projects and initiatives that that have changed people's lives for the better. So, I, I always like to start with that, and then say, well, if that's worked so well for so long, you know, is is it still working for us in our world today? What's changed and and I think when we look at, at that, speaking of what brought about the management hierarchy with this leap in communication technology to the telegraph, 
well, the world's come a long way since the telegraph, right? And mm-hmm. if you look at today, how many messages do you have to process in a day? How many inbound requests on your attention? And compared to an executive even 50 years ago, the number is staggeringly large with the internet, with, with social media, with all of these, these modes of communicating we have now. You know, you're not just sitting at your desk dealing with the mail that shows up once a day, maybe a few memos and a couple of meetings. You're dealing with a constant stream of connectedness uh, and, and these network uh, effects that we see, these, these network uh, 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 types of connections that we have today that are instantaneous, global. They're insanely uh, 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 higher bandwidth, and, and the, the, the signaling is happening so much faster. The number of messages I get in an hour probably strips out what a typical executive dealt with in a week 50 years ago. And when you look at that, I think that's breaking our modern forms of organization. They're simply not able to deal with a world that is moving that quickly. Uh, on top of that, there's more uncertainty in the world. There's more complexity in the world. Uh, the, the management hierarchy deals with complexity to a point, and we've long surpassed that point in our modern society for most organizations. So I think we're simply seeing a social technology management that has become obsolete. It's just not sufficient for our world today. Uh, not to mention all the human demands. I mean, look at our younger workforce is demanding so much more from their work life than our grandparents' generations did. And and that also is a real demand on our organizations that we need to respond to that management hierarchy is, is not dealing with very well. It's not providing the meaning, the, the, the sense of purpose in our work, uh, the autonomy. So I think it's just a technology whose time has come. Mm. I really appreciate hearing that perspective from you um, because it, it is the evolution of business management that, that you're talking about. And, and this is a, just a natural growth for where we're at in our consciousness in our world. So thank you for really grounding that in that the history of that and the appreciation of what's come before. So, well, let's tell our listeners then, what is holacracy? Let's, let's just dig into it. What is it? How does it work? Yeah. Yeah, so it it is a new way of structuring and organizing uh, a company and connecting us, people within it. Uh, So it's it's an approach that uh, it's pretty different from what we're used to in that it does not use a management hierarchy as the basis of achieving order. Uh, Instead, it uses other mechanisms. So uh, to dig in a little bit more, if you think about what we're used to, what, what do we look to our managers, at least theoretically, to provide? Uh, And it's things like uh, breaking down the work. You know, a good manager, theoretically, ideally, breaks down the work and makes clear who does what on the team, who should be paying attention to what. Uh, They help set up the norms of who should expect what from whom in the team. Um, So that's one of the functions. There's other functions managers do as well. Holacracy provides other mechanisms. So instead of a manager breaking down the work, every team in a company using Holacracy has a regular governance process uh, that replaces that function of a manager. And this governance process uh, is used to break down the work and divide out who does what, who makes which decisions, uh, who has the authority to take what actions or, or make which decisions on the team, what do we expect of each other. And we can change all of that through this governance process. And unlike a management hierarchy where there's one manager that is theoretically doing that, But if you're like most managers, you're probably micromanaging. (laughs) Most (laughs) managers aren't very good at that work. (laughs) Uh, Holacracy's governance process invites 
everybody in a team to be part of that for their team. Uh, so it gives a different mechanism that gives everyone more voice and more input to actually breaking down the work and structuring who's going to do what and who makes which decisions and all that. Uh, and there's a meeting structure that goes with that so that, that you have a, a decision-making process that's a facilitated decision-making process that gives everyone a voice. Uh, as I say, without the tyranny of consensus, which is where everybody has a voice, but we can't make any decisions and nothing gets done because we all have to agree on everything. Uh, so it kind of gives you some other mechanisms for making decisions, for uh, figuring out who's going to break, how you break down the work, who does what. Uh, and with that comes more autonomy. So unlike a management hierarchy where you have whatever autonomy your manager kind of lets you have, but you could lose it at any point because they could jump in. With holacracy, it's more like in, in society, in, in the world, uh, we have a lot of autonomy over our lives. There's no manager bossing us around. And, and we know where our boundaries are. I, I know I can lead my life as I, I will, but I shouldn't take my neighbor's car, you know, for my purpose without his permission, the, his property, this boundary. Holacracy is, is, does the same thing within a company. So it gives you a lot of autonomy. If it's your role and your work, it says do whatever makes sense to you to lead your role's purpose. Every role has a purpose. You know, do whatever makes sense to you to get your work done. Just don't mess with your neighbor's property. Uh, in other words, uh, don't cross that boundary and start messing in someone else's uh, uh, area without their permission. And the governance process is about defining those boundaries. So we end up with something a lot more like society, which is everyone leading their life uh, and they're part of this broader system and yet with appropriate connection points between us so we can stay integrated and cohesive as an overall team or society. Uh, it's a very different way of organizing a company. Yeah, and Brian, you know, I, I've i talked about holacracy with a couple of people and a couple of the first things that we, we could probably compare notes because you probably hear this a lot too. One of the things that comes up is that sounds like a lot of work to set up some kind of system that everybody is, you know, really functioning at optimal um, capacity together. And then the the second thing that that people usually will say was, it feels like that everybody would be doing their own thing. But but you have systems that remedy that. So do you want to talk about that first? Sounds like a lot of work to transform mm -hmm. into this. When the boss can just say, "Do it," it's you know, it's so much easier. But it's not. So tell us, how does that really work? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I think it's a fair point. It is a lot of work. <laughs> Whenever you're making a, a meaningful, transformative change, as opposed to just incremental progress in something, uh, it's going to take work. And that's true whether it's, you know, a personal transformation of some sort. If it's easy, it's probably not very impactful. Um, and it's definitely true in our organizations. This this is transformative change. It does take a lot of work. It takes an investment. Um, and there was actually a really interesting study I, I just read about recently. Uh, the researcher looked at uh, the difference in performance from having a more directive leader who just bossed people around and who was pretty competent versus a team that embraced more self-organization, uh, which is what holacracy is all about. And when teams made the, the leap, the shift from a more directive leader to a more self-organizing uh, system where everybody takes more leadership on, one of the things she found in the research was performance actually goes down, uh, not up. It goes down when you shift from a, a good directive leader to self-organization in the short term. And in the long term, it significantly outperforms the directive leader. 
And, and that really shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, right? I mean, when you have a, a team of people all leading their piece in a good, healthy way of connecting with each other, you get the wisdom of everyone. Uh, and, and you get people owning their work more, taking more autonomy, more ownership, more leadership of their piece. Um, of course, you're going to get better performance. But there's a, a curve to get there, which is you have to build the capacity in everyone to ultimately outperform the single competent leader who's used to doing that work. Um, so I think any company adopting a system like Holacracy, uh, I tell people, look, don't look at this as a quick fix. This is a multi-year path. Um, and you can expect better performance at the end of it if you stick with it, or actually well before the end, even along the journey. Uh, but initially, it's an investment, you know, and, and you, you do need to give people the space to build new skills uh, of how to work in this system, of stepping up and taking more leadership. Um, and that will take uh, investment, and there will be a dip as people are kind of going through that initial investment uh, before you start seeing the returns. Mm. So I, I'm like imagining here, I'm thinking of a brand new organization that would implement this from the get-go. And I think, um, let's say Generation X and the baby boomers would still have that dip and maybe the millennials would just jump right in. I don't know. What's your experience with the younger workers versus older? And, and what about an organization that just wants to implement this from the get-go? Yeah, it's an interesting challenge with the, the generations. I do absolutely see the younger generation tends to, to just be more naturally attuned and aligned with this and much easier to just wholeheartedly embrace it and jump into it. Uh, on the other side, though, they're often not bringing as much experience and seasoning and wisdom. Uh, so there's an interesting challenge of people that have more of that, you know, decades of experience and seasoning and wisdom. That wisdom counts for something. And they're more likely to kind of be set in their ways. They know how companies run and they've learned to work within those systems. So they're going to have more unlearning to do. And the unlearning is actually harder than the learning uh, when it comes to a, a transformation like this. So their challenge is higher, but on the other side of it, they're bringing wisdom and seasoning and experience and all of that can be incredibly valuable, especially to younger, newer team members that don't have it. So, you know, that's still true. There's, there's value in that wisdom. Uh, if they can make the leap to a different way of working. And there is sometimes uh, a little bit more resistance. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, this, is, this sure. is good, Brian. Thank you. I, I appreciate this. What are you hearing then from these organizations that are implementing Holacracy? Um, you have some really fun examples on the website that I've seen. But So if someone's listening to this going, oh, I'm going to retire in a few years. I don't want to mess with it. That sounds, you know, and, and it's too much work and it takes so many years to transition. What are the long-term benefits for productivity? Yes, there's people are happier. They're in their groove. They're, they're being valued. But like, what kind of performance are we seeing with companies that are, are implementing Holacracy today? Yeah. So I, I have mostly anecdotal stories from what I see uh, in that it's hard to, to tie this to actual direct numbers because you never know. I mean, I, I actually have direct numbers the clients share with us, but I, I don't actually trust them because, you know, who knows whether revenue doubled because of holacracy or because you happen to be in the right business and you're doing things well, you know, with or without yeah. holacracy. So I tend to not pay as much attention to the, the ultimate bottom line metrics, uh, even though they, they do tend to be positive when I, I hear the numbers. I tend to pay more attention to how easy is it for somebody that senses something that could be 
better in the company, could better serve clients or could better you know, express this company's purpose, whatever it is. How easy is it for that person to take that sense and drive it into meaningful change? Because if that metric is improved, if, if, if a bulk of people in the organization say simply, uh, it feels easier now to take what they see could be better and make it better, uh, that ought to translate to at least fully harnessing our capacity of our, our people, and, and that should translate into you know, smoother, faster, more agile, responsive business and, and all of the many benefits that come from that. And that is actually what I hear and see uh, again and again from our clients. I see people that, uh, for example, one client, uh, they've been arguing and debating for literally years through hours and hours and hours of really painful meetings where they were all kind of on different sides of what to do with one business unit that was a little messy and they couldn't quite figure out how to structure it. So what everyone agreed on was that their current approach was terrible. And yet they kept it for years, <laughs> even though everyone agreed that it was not a good approach because they couldn't agree on what to do instead. So they just kind of kept it by default and momentum carried them, inertia carried them, uh, even though everyone was clear that that something was off, right? So that was fascinating. Then they adopted Holacracy and 20 minutes after putting this issue through one of Holacracy's governance process, uh, through, through the governance process I mentioned, they ended up with a clear next step to restructure this business line. They kind of split it in two. They put a piece here, a piece there, changed the way it worked a little bit. Uh, they got to an integrated solution in 20 minutes where everyone could say, I don't see any reasons that will cause immediate harm and it's safe enough to try and it will move us forward. Right? Not that everyone agreed on it, not that everyone thought it was the best idea, but at least one person in the group said, I think this will move it forward. And everyone else was able to say, safe enough to try, not going to cause harm in my area. And it got them to some next step, right? So, and then they'll, that process is iterative. So they're going to try that next step. They'll see how it works. They'll come back and they'll iterate again if they need to. Uh, but it's moving now. It's not stuck, you know? And it, it's things like that to me that show, okay, look, we're now harnessing wisdom that we weren't harnessing before. We were deadlocked in this system. And now we're able to actually move forward and iterate and try stuff and learn and experiment. And, and somebody is able to actually say, I can, I can get my sense of what could be better processed in a way I couldn't do before. And I hear that again and again throughout organizations doing this, that people are liberated to actually use their talents, their voice, their gifts. They can try to change. Uh, anything can be changed in the system much, much more easily than you see it in a typical management hierarchy where things get very stuck. And so to me, that, that is where you then see the ultimate source of the agility and benefits I hear are things like agility and responsiveness and, you know, innovation and we can learn and we can adapt better. But I think all those come from the root of it, which is just giving people more capacity to use their, their voice and enact, uh, enact change in the, the company. Mm. Well, I think that anyone that's worked in a hierarchical organization really can relate to that time that it takes you know we have a good idea in our department and who knows if the ceo will ever hear it you know the larger the corporation yeah. so that i love that idea about agility and really empowering the front lines to deal with what's theirs to deal with i know we have so much more to talk about with the details and and i and i really want to um ask you a few more questions about that but before we take a break here uh, a simple question maybe Maybe it's not, but does, will this work in all businesses and industry, or is there a place where you think maybe this wouldn't be the best? I mean, 
yeah. can holacracy work as a government of a country or a nation, you know, a, a city, anything? Yeah. What do you think? Is there any place well, where and it I won't would say work? This, uh, where will the management hierarchy work, right? What kinds of organizations are appropriate to organize with a management hierarchy? Uh, if, you, if you can answer that question, you have the same answer for holacracy because what it is at its core is a different social technology uh, and it achieves the same functions that we look to a management hierarchy to achieve. Break down, break down the work, make sure we get accountability, make sure that uh, we know who's doing what, what we can expect of each other, all that stuff. So anywhere a management hierarchy is applicable and appropriate, uh, then a holacracy would be a different option for achieving the same results through maybe a better system. So uh, it's very broadly applicable as a result. Not infinitely, right? If, if you wouldn't organize a country as a top-down management hierarchy, which, you know, you might organize the service functions of a government, but probably not the whole, whole society, uh, then, uh, you know, holacracy might not be appropriate. But there is a, a state agency in Washington State that's experimenting with holacracy for their government services, which I think is very appropriate. Uh, there's all different shapes and sizes and types of organizations, hundreds all around the world now. Um, and that said, uh, to avoid totally dodging your question, I think there are companies I wouldn't recommend it for, but it's not because of the type of company. It's a question of, is it worth the investment? Because it is an investment. And if a company is is struggling just to survive because you know they're they're uh, they're whatever financial turmoil or or crisis mode might not be the best time to make an investment to changing your your core you know way of organizing. Of course, if you don't change something, you might be out of business. But uh, it's often the companies that are actually doing pretty well, uh, or at least are uh, they have uh, often healthier cultures or. Uh, they've been just succeeding very well. It's actually those companies, more often than not, that look at investing in how do we take it to another level with uh, a replacement or an upgrade to our core uh, way of organizing. Uh, so mm-hmm. the question to me is, is it worth the investment to switch? I think it's broadly applicable to all different types and sizes of organizations. Yeah, well, thank you for that. We are going to take a quick break. We're talking with Brian Robertson from Holacracy. You can check out that website at holacracy.com. That's H-O-L-A-C-R-A-C-Y. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, more with learning how to really implement this thing. We'll be right back. This week's episode, Danger at the Old Well. Last one to the old well's a rotten egg. Ha ha, I win. Whoa! Ah! Sassy! Johnny fell down the well. I'm wet. What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl. What? You'd rather use his time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold. People shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? Because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? (laughs) What? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant? Sassy! What'd he say? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Remember, adopt! Have you ever lost a cat? And have you ever wanted to get your cat back 
after you lost it? Hi there, I'm Andrew Hoffman. I went on this website called inventnow.org. Then I decided to make an invention of my own. It's called the lost cat magnet invention. So you can get your cat back after you lost it. Just turn it on and lost cat stick to it. That's a good cat. If your cat was hiding up in a tree, it won't be up a tree anymore. It will be stuck to the lost cat magnet. And sometimes they fly toward you in the air. Just listen to one satisfied cat. See, that's proof. You should go to the inventnow.org website too. But just remember one thing. Don't do a lost cat magnet. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Come to the forest. It's a place not so far away. A place where you don't have to mow the lawn or babysit. I saw lizards and squirrels and bugs. Ladybugs, caterpillars. It's really cool, actually. A place where you don't have to make time for free time. Lots and lots of kinds of species here. Out here, you may even meet the mysterious creature known as the other you. The enchanted you. It's magic what flowers do. The adventurous you. My favorite tree, yes, is that one. The free-to-be-me you. <laughs> Ask your parents to take you to this not-so-far-away place. Come to the forest, where the other you lives. But first, stop by discovertheforest.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. We're back on the Dr. Julie Show, and my guest today is Brian Robertson from Holacracy. And we are talking about this very fascinating new concept in management. If you like what you're hearing and you want to share this with someone you know, um, go to our website, thedrjulieshow.com. The archives will be there also as, as well on Empower Radio and all of our upcoming guests as well. So again, I invite you to check out thedrjulieshow.com. You can share this archive with your friends and, and talk about it some more and stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie. So Brian, the thing that I really appreciate about what we're talking about today and and how this is evolving, and I don't know a lot about the details, I just know enough to make me dangerous. But one of the things I really like <laughs> is that we're talking about really taking healthy cultures within an organization to a higher level. We're talking about conscious leadership. We're talking about self-organizing and shared vision and mission. These are all, all things that are really teaching us as a humanity that, that we are holes within a whole that we're not pieces and parts and incomplete, but that really we are whole systems within this whole system. And, and I really like the respect of that with your people. Um, how did you come up with this? Yeah. So interestingly, I, I wasn't really looking to, you know, obsolete management hierarchy as we know it or to, to remove that or whatever. Uh, I was actually just looking for a better way to run a company. I, I didn't know quite where it would lead. Uh, 
So for me, a lot of this journey started in 2001. I, I quit my job, my background's in software, uh, and I started a software company of my own. And I, I did that actually because I was just really, really curious to experiment with new approaches, new ideas. I, I had this kind of driving sense, there's got to be a better way to do it, to work together, to build a company, to integrate together. And I didn't really know what it was that I was looking for. I, I just knew that there's got to be a better way. And so I started my software company specifically to give me a place to experiment. And over the next many, many years, uh, I would just go out and try every idea, technique, uh, whatever I could find that might make things better. And uh, over time, I, I, I actually started realizing that as we had better decision-making methods and better ways of clarifying our, our norms of kind of what we would agree to together, who would do what, what we would expect from each other, the better that got, the less we had to rely on the manager to kind of jump in as the heroic parent to kind of sort things out on our team, which is kind of the archetypal role that managers show up in. They're the parents and then the workers are the children. And even when no one wants that, that's the system, the structure is set up to kind of put us in these parent-child dynamics with our, our managers and the subordinates. And, and so th what I found was the more we had other mechanisms and other processes, the less we needed to rely on the parents, you know, and the children. And the more the children could just step up and lead and, and be part of taking care of themselves. And so it, it, it kind of surprised me even when, you know, I just realized at some point along the journey, managers are becoming less and less necessary as we replace the functions with something that lets everybody uh, be part of that, that overall function we used to look to managers for. And, and with that, was, we were seeing the parent-child dynamics of the management hierarchy replaced with adult-to-adult -adult dynamics, uh, which I think gets to what you were saying, too, about showing up as you know, healthy, autonomous, whole entities and not broken children that are looking to our parents to you know, solve things for us, complete us, whatever. And, it's that shift kind of goes went with this whole thing, and so for me, where this came from ultimately was a lot of experimentation. It's not like I got this vision and created a system to match my vision or anything like that. It really came from trial and error of just what works. And we were running a company. We didn't create this initially, intending to take it to hundreds of companies like we have now. I was just looking for a better way to run my software company and was curious to experiment. And it just turned, turned out that the results of that experimentation were generic enough that others could benefit from it. And it turned out the world kind of needed new approaches. People started getting really curious about what I was doing. And so about eight years ago now, I, I left my software company to launch my current company, Holacracy One, uh, specifically then to take that method that we had kind of uh, pioneered in the software firm and further mature it. It's, it's actually come a long way even since then in the past eight years and to take it out to the world and help others use it and benefit from it. So uh, that's kind of been the, the journey, but all from experimentation and trial and error, it kind of evolved. It wasn't mm -hmm. like, I feel like I, my role was more of a discovery role than an inventor role. I didn't invent this thing any more than a, a physicist invents the, the laws of physics. Uh, <laughs> their job is more discovering mm -hmm. than documenting them. And I think that's kind of the path I was on. It was discovering these like laws of self-organization of just what works and what gives people the ability to be adults together in the organization and lead their pieces and, and yet still get the needs met of the company and themselves and everyone else. Wow. I love that. And, and I, I really appreciate you 
being the discoverer and thank you for paying attention and <laughs> discovering this because there, there's a lot of really beautiful gems right here. Let's talk specifically. You're, you're talking about um, new mechanisms that are really replacing that old hierarchy. And, and I'm hearing agreements. I'm hearing communication. So can you give us a, a few specific examples of what are these mechanisms that are replacing the old model that, that are really working? Yeah, so uh, just to, to make it really concrete, for example, uh, let's say, you know, I do a lot of trainings, uh, holacracy trainings in my work, and I fill our trainer role. Uh, and that's one of about 30 roles I fill. So in holacracy, people fill many roles, and they're often you know, very small roles. So I do my trainer role maybe a week every couple of months in a training. So it's just a tiny piece of what I do. Uh, so I fill lots of roles. Trainer is one of them. And when I'm doing trainings, sometimes I run into stuff that causes me some tension, as uh, the word we use in holacracy. And, and tension doesn't actually mean a bad thing for us. It's, it's just a feeling of a gap between what is and what could be, right? So that, that's the times I, I run into something where I feel like something could be better, could be next. So for example, it, it might be, you know, uh, we're in these hotels, these venues, and sometimes the shape of the room isn't quite right for the training or whatever. So I'm sensing an opportunity to improve something. And maybe I, I'm realizing as I sense that, that I want to expect something different from one of my colleagues. So we have another role, uh, our, our uh, event operations role that, that finds our hotels and you know, does all the, the stuff around our logistics for our trainings. So maybe I discover I want to expect something new or something different from our event, uh, event operations role. And uh, now instead of going to a manager or even going to the person and trying to come to some kind of consensus around that, with holacracy, I, I have a process I can go to, a governance process, where I can make a proposal of some new accountability, new expectation on that person's role. Um, you know, maybe I want to expect them to be, uh, I don't know, soliciting input from my trainer role uh, on my key needs and then finding venues that, that match those uh, those needs. Or, or maybe it's simpler. Maybe I just want them to be accountable for, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, digging into the shape of the room and, you know, verifying that it, it fits, you know, whatever it is we're trying to fit or, you know, who knows. So all of these things uh, are, are just, just little micro opportunities to improve something. And with Holacracy, I can take that. I can go to a governance meeting. Every team has them. So we work on a team together because we're both part of this overall function of providing training. And I can propose changing his role, uh, adding something to his role, uh, adding you know, some expectation on his role, whatever it is. And he can propose changing my role if he realizes there's something he needs to expect differently from me. And then there's a decision-making process that kind of gives everybody some voice and input, but isn't a consensus-based process. It's not really looking for everyone else to agree on that change. It's just looking to give everyone else a chance to say, do you see any reasons that that change is going to cause harm or move us backwards? Because if not, we should accept it. The default norm is if somebody sees something that could be changed for the better, by default, we're going to accept it unless somebody else sees a reason it will cause harm in their area. And if they do, then that's not going to stop it or block it. It's just going to give us something to discuss, and we then need to dig in and kind of solve this puzzle and figure out how to get my need met without causing harm somewhere else. Right? So there's a whole process for that in the holacracy. And at the end of the day, what we end up with is a, a tweak to somebody's written role description. So we actually have a software tool that holds all these roles, and I can go look at it at any point. Anyone in my company can, and they can find exactly what we can expect from every role in our system. Um, and 
So in this way, it's actually more structured than a management hierarchy. It's just the structure isn't a top-down given structure. It's the emergent structure of all of us working together, learning together what we need to pay attention to. We didn't know before that we needed to pay attention to the shape of the room. And now we've learned that and we can capture it in a role uh, somehow, whatever that, that looks like, uh, many different answers, but we, we've captured that learning concretely in a role description that everybody can then look at, have access to, and we all know what we can expect of each other. So we're, we're basically creating norms, creating um, uh, patterns of how we work together, and we're doing it with a process that doesn't require any, any boss you know, hearing us out and, and uh, arbitrating it. It's a peer-to-peer process. I sense something I want to change. I make a proposal. There's a process we work within. Somebody else can raise objections if they see a reason it causes harm, and then we discuss those and we integrate them. And all of that process is documented itself in a constitution. So basically what we've got is instead of power resting in a CEO and a management hierarchy from there, power rests in a constitutional process. And the first move, in fact, companies make when they want to really adopt holacracy, uh, usually they, they get some taste of it first. We do little workshops to give people like a, an experience of it. But once they've gone through that, they've gotten an experience and they want to do it, the first move they make is usually for the CEO to sign a declaration ceding their power into a constitution. It's a lot like a monarch or a king, you know, saying, uh, I'm now signing away my autocratic power to be above the law into a constitutional process that gives everybody a, a chance to, to uh, you know, have, have voice in how we organize here together uh, and distributes power then out to the different roles. So, so it's not a top-down power system, but a constitutional power system. Uh, and that constitution, it's the same one actually used by hundreds of companies now all over the world. And it's, it's an open source document. It's on our website. And, and uh, it's, it's the power structure. It's a, a totally different way of holding power. Instead of in a management hierarchy, it's in a constitution. Uh, so that's just kind of one possible example. There are many other scenarios that you could play out. But the key message from that whole example is, you know, there's still a way to get clarity. There's still structure. It's just a different way of getting there that actually encourages more clarity, more dynamic structure that learns with us and changes with us instead of bureaucratic structure that doesn't. Um, it gives us a way in a peer-to-peer kind of process to sort out what do we expect from each other and how do we work together. Uh, so all that's still there, just like there, you need that in any company. Uh, it's just a different way of getting there. Uh, that should work a lot better in most environments in the management hierarchy. Yeah, the, it, it's really, it's not like everybody's sitting around in a circle and nobody's in charge. But you you really mentioned something that I think is also important is that you're fulfilling roles and you might have many roles. You don't have a job description where this is my territory, everybody's out. Everybody's roles kind of blend and integrate and there's a lot of transparency here. Yeah. Tons of transparency, uh, way more than in a, a conventional structure. Uh, you can see exactly how the whole company works in a software tool. Just pull it up and get any question you might have about how the, the structure works uh, answered. So lots of transparency. Um, and to your point about it's not that uh, nobody's in charge. It's actually more the opposite. It's more everybody has a lot of autonomy and a lot of, of leadership of their piece, of their role. So it's not that it removes leadership. That's one of the myths that sometimes gets out in the press, especially when they don't really take the time to understand this whole thing. Uh, it's easy to look at it and hear there's no bosses, so people assume it's leaderless. And that's actually not true. It just divides out leadership. 
just like in, in life, you know, I lead my life, I lead my house, I lead my property, and my neighbor leads his. And we know where the boundary is between us so that we can each lead our lives without one of us having to have power over the other. And it's the same thing brought into an organization. We each lead our roles, and we know the boundaries of our roles, and we have a lot of autonomy. Most decisions aren't made collectively. They're made by one person autocratically leading their role. Um, and yet, you know, we're each doing that. We're all doing that. We all have that leadership. Uh, and we know the boundaries of when it isn't ours to lead, and we need to respect our neighbor. Uh, and we know the expectations, because with our autonomy, better come responsibility. So I know I might have the authority to run my training however I want or whatever in my trainer role, but I also know what others are counting on me for that I have to find some way to deliver on. So I know the responsibilities that come with the authority and the autonomy to get alignment. So this is where it gets really hard often, uh, especially for the press, when they, they just take a quick glance to understand it, uh, because yes, it's removing the management hierarchy as we know it, but it's actually creating more leadership, more alignment, and more structure than we even have in a management hierarchy. Uh, it's just more adapting uh, structure, more emergent structure, uh, less top-down wrong structure that gets in the way, and more of the right structure that we've learned together is exactly what we need. Mm. So as a CEO, your, one of your roles might be the vision and mission of the organization moving forward and making sure everybody gets paid and cleaning the toilets every Friday. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> and entrepreneurs <laughs> will know that that well. <laughs> it's not uncommon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how do you communicate between all these self-organizing teams and autonomous people in autonomous roles? How do we communicate to keep the organization all going the same direction at the same time? Yeah, so the first line of defense of that is don't overthink it and just use your judgment. Right, So a lot of things uh, in, in holacracy are, rather than trying to control it, I, we just have a system where everybody has more autonomy and freedom to use their judgment. So uh, that's the first line of defense. Just use your judgment. If you feel a need to communicate with somebody, go do it. Right, And if you feel a need to ask for communication, go ask for it. Uh, and I, I'm often surprised how many issues that actually solves or, or circumvents when we don't try to give some overarching, brilliant answer to it. We just give people autonomy and say, look, don't worry about stepping on other people's toes because you know you have the authority and autonomy to lead your role. So do whatever makes sense to you and whatever you think is right. right? So that answers a lot. And then from there, what you might uncover sometimes is uh, that gets you so far, but then there's things you need to expect from others. Uh, and instead of trying to figure out in advance everything you want, want to expect from everyone, every communication you might need, let's just adapt as we go and as we learn. So if you discover in your work that there's some critical communication that you're not getting, what's even more powerful than trying to figure that out in advance and make sure you get it is to have a process where you can learn and say, hey, I realize I need this communication and I'm not getting it and I'd like it from this role over here. So let's create a process where that role will then publish this thing so that we all have it or you know, send out a communication or whatever. So the goal of holacracy is not to predict in advance how all communication needs to happen. It's first, let people use their judgment, and second, learn from the tensions. So whenever we have tension about a communication that could have been better or that you needed and didn't quite get, let's make sure we can turn that into systemic improvement so that going forward, you have some way to change something so that you always get that communication here on out. And if you have that learning process, that's actually going to be way more powerful than just getting 99% of the communication right up front. 
because you still have that 1% you missed. And if you don't have a way to, to address that, it's going to continually cause havoc, right? So I'd rather start with 80% of the right communication that's just happening or even 30%, right? As long as we then have a rapid way to learn so that as we discover all of the other communications that we need and aren't happening, we have some way to make sure the process gets updated. And in Holacracy, that's the governance process where we can change anyone's expectations, any role, any communication pathway in the organization. Uh, so the goal is just to learn. Uh, there are communications that we have in my company that I never would have guessed in advance we actually needed. But somebody ran into, sure enough, yeah, we need to know when that changes uh, or whatever. And so we encoded that. And you know, now we have a process for it. Uh, and as long as we're, we're learning and we're integrating that, that, uh, that wisdom over time, we're going to get to a better system than anyone we might start at uh, in advance just by trying to predict the right way to communicate. So that's kind of the, the way Holacracy gets there. Uh, what you end up with at the end of plenty of cycling of that, you know, you go do that for a year or two, and you end up with an organization that knows exactly what needs to be communicated, when, how, to whom, uh, and, and yet you're still learning at the same time because the world isn't static, right? You're doing new, new processes, new business, whatever it is. So it's a, a moving target. But it's amazing how clear the organizational structure gets uh, when, when you have that way to, to let everybody integrate learning into it. Mm. Brian, I, I, I really appreciate the, um, the clarity of even how you're explaining it. And I imagine that that software is so important that, that people can really see everything with transparency and follow through with it. I also, I really want to mention um, also, cause you've, you've talked about the tensions and just this morning with a client, I, I mentioned this very thing of instead of avoiding conflict, um, which usually means avoid the tensions, turn the other way. Don't, don't move yeah. into it. I, I just was working with a client this morning and said, no, just, gentle into this tension and see where that takes you in this relationship piece. And, and it's like this concept that so many of us feel as foreign is like, I don't, I avoid conflict. I don't like conflict. I don't want tension, no more tensions. And when we pretend like it's not there, it just grows and grows and grows. So I really love that you're inviting people to pay attention to those places of tension and move into it because it evolves yeah. it. It clears it. Yep. And I would add to that that oftentimes the tensions we experience in a working environment are not actually tensions between the people. It's not Julie and Brian have a tension. It's my role and your role have a tension in the way our roles are working together. Yes. And when you have a process that lets you, one, embrace the tension and two, recognize that most of the tensions don't come from personality conflicts. They come from our roles having different processes, different needs, different perspectives. And we can, we can kind of be more objective. We can step back from being identified with our role and work with it as an object in our awareness and look at the two roles and look at what's the right relationship, not human relationship, but what's the right relationship between these two mm -hmm. roles. And we can work at that level. It's much less personal, much less drama-filled and we can do that as a team. Even when we have tension together, you and I can step back as a team and, and, and in a connected way work together on how we structure these relationships that play. And, and that's really powerful for our, our own personal relationships when we work together uh, and for the organization because we can now harness all those tensions as learning opportunities and then eventually shift our culture 
the one that embraces them and celebrates them. Tension is a chance to learn. It's stuff of life. You know, mm. it's, it's a good thing. I love that. Yes. Thank you for that. Okay. So we have a lot of conscious evolutionaries who listen to our show, really people who are committed to changing culture into a more co-creative, sustainable culture. So there's someone out there listening, many, let's hope. We just have a few minutes left here, Brian. But those who are out there listening going, ah, maybe I want to explore this. Maybe I want to do this in my organization. What do they do? What do they need to do? Yeah, so uh, a few different paths. Uh, if, if somebody wants to try this in their organization, the best first thing you can do is get an experience of it. Uh, it's, it's like a practice. It's, it's hard to uh, read about soccer and understand what it's actually like to play the game. So best thing you can do is try playing the game, even if just for a couple of days. So we run workshops where we go into executive teams and we run them through these processes with their real stuff, their real tensions. And that gives an experience. We also have public workshops uh, on our website where people can go into a little simulated company and get an experience of what this is like. So no substitute for experience. That, that would be ideal. Uh, try it out. And then I'll also tell you, is it right for me? Do I want to continue the exploration and maybe get some help coaching, uh, you know, adopting this method or whatever? Uh, if you can't do that, at least get the book. Uh, the book does walk through some scenarios and tries its best to give an experience as best you can in the book. Uh, so that's another, another source. There's a lot of free resources on our website. Um, people can, can look at that and find a lot more on there as well. Uh, but uh, the ideal first step, get an experience, either at a workshop publicly or, or bring someone in to give you a, a private experience with your team. But if you can experience it, uh, just like any sport or game or practice, uh, the experience is what's going to really give you the deep sense of it. Mm, thank you for that. I'm going to remind you, listeners, we are talking about Holacracy, and you can find Brian at Holacracy.org. Is that correct? Did I say it right? Yes, it is. Yep. Holacracy.org. Mm -hmm. That's H-O-L-A-C-R-A-C-Y. And the book we're talking about is Holacracy, the new management system for a rapidly changing world. And that's why this is so relevant is we really don't have time to sit around and think about decision-making and what might work best. We just need to go right to that source. So I love how adaptive this is. It's just brilliant. Brian, is there any last thing? We just have just a minute left here. Is there any last message you want to give to our listeners about holacracy or, or shifting in this new paradigm? Yeah, well, I would say as from, from a fellow conscious evolutionary kind of guy, that's definitely my bent for sure. Uh, the one thing I'd, I'd offer is uh, one of my own lessons as I was on this path. Uh, at first, I tried to work on cultures directly. And what I've come to realize is the power of working at the system and structure level, uh, because culture arises on top of that. And if you want to change ultimately hearts and minds and mindsets, and that means changing cultures, this is one of the most powerful interventions you can do is actually look at changing the power structure, the system structure beneath the culture. Uh, shapes so much. And it's often a tool that I, I don't see as often in the toolbox of those people that, that are naturally drawn to working on this kind of conscious evolutionary level with, with cultures and with mindsets and all that. And yet I think it's one of the most powerful tools we can add to our toolbox. So would really encourage people check out Holacracy as one possible tool. There's certainly others as well, but uh, if, if you broaden your mind uh, and your toolbox to include work at the structural level, the power structure level, uh, it can be so profoundly transformative on the, the human 
uh, aspects at play. Mm, thank you for that. I couldn't agree more. Brian Robertson, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks so much for having me, Julie. You bet. And everybody check out his website. Again, that's holacracy.org. And tune in next week. We have another great show for you. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 